this morning we're doing something special too that you know every Friday leading up until like October you're coming in our general manager is coming in to talk to you about some things on the biblical calendar that maybe we're, we've never heard of. We have no idea what these are, how to celebrate. And so you want to talk a little bit about some traditions. Yeah, traditions, traditions, traditions. If you ever saw Fiddler on the Roof, that is the key word of the, the Jewish history right there. Uh, actually going to be off next week. We get a break and then back three more times. But it'll really, will always be Fridays. We have uh, Rosh Hashanah, then we have Yom Kippur, and then we have the Feast of Tabernacles, Tabernacles Sukkot, and uh, that's really jumped into uh, three weeks quickly, but they'll all be I'll be here on a I think on a Wednesday on uh, Monday on two Mondays, so it's going to be a little scattered next month. But uh, looking forward to it, and uh, we've been having fun. You know, this month of Elul is a month of preparation, and as you would imagine, if you're preparing for anything, if you've got a meal in front of you, or you're, what do you do? You pray, you you thank God for it, and the month of Elul is about that. It's preparation, and in the area of prayer, uh, for me, and I think for all of the world, actually, the best known prayer, the most prayed prayer, is called the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, today we are going to jump into that one, and because I think it's just one of the uh, coolest preparation ones. And from a Jewish perspective, we're going to go to the Amida, which is uh, their one of their daily prayers, uh, traditional prayers. That was uh, back in the day of uh, Jesus as well. It's a massively, like all of their prayers, very, very, very long. So we're not going to obviously jump through it, but we're going to look at it and compare it to what did Jesus do to maybe break it down, to shorten it a bit, <laughs> and make it easier. And yes he did do that and uh so there's lots of fun things we're going to look at a uh, tradition that's a um a word we you know as i said we we relate to the jews a lot but i think from christians we uh for good or for bad have developed a lot of traditions over the years and through a lot of groups you know 2000 years a long time to to have to create traditions and boy oh boy we have not been uh, slackers in that area you know for years here in the west and i speak of myself and probably you too scholars have taught that the new testament was originally penned in Greek, and even that Greek was the dominant language spoken in Israel during the Second Temple period, uh, including the time of Jesus. So you're talking about 500 years before Jesus, all the way up through 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Neither of those statements is actually a fact, even though that's, you know, I, I've been taught that my whole life. In the Middle East, it's a very different story and always has been. The uh, churches of the East have always rejected the claim that the New Testament was originally penned in Greek. They maintain that our English language copies came from ones later translated into Greek by first century Gentile Christians in the West. Back in 1703, a Syriac editor, Faust Niren, said there's better reasons for concluding that the Greek Gospels were translated from the Syriac. So uh, it's a bit of a debate, so we're going to open that debate a little bit and chat with that one. Uh, meanwhile, the same New Testament books weren't translated, were not translated into Greek for those all across Persia, which is around the Middle East there, because Aramaic was the official and written language. Despite the influence of the Greeks, scholars around the Middle East agree that Yeshua, Jesus, and the Jews in general spoke and wrote in Hebrew and Aramaic during the Second Temple period and continued to for several centuries later. A lot of this isn't really debatable anymore, but, you know, as I said, traditions cause us sometimes even scholars, doctor-level scholars, will argue the other direction for this one. 
So for many ideas, the idea that Hebrew was spoken by the Jews in the first century just didn't have enough evidence, even in my lifetime. That evidence came really in the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, which were written between 100 B.C. and 70 A.D. Some of those scrolls and fragments are of biblical books, but many others are works concerning day-to-day business in the streets of Israel. And, uh, well, that, that's, that was a game changer. If you're trying to argue what language did they speak then, you have all these documents suddenly. What did the documents show? Of all the scrolls and fragments, 90% were written in Hebrew. 5% in Aramaic, only 5% in Greek. So the theory obviously doesn't hold water. Some of the Hebrew was even written in the ancient Paleo-Hebrew, which went way, way back. So a uh, little bit of uh, lingual kind of stuff here. Aramaic and Syriac. It's very, very similar, if not the same thing. It's enough of a difference if we they have two names. And Hebrew are all pretty much so similar you can there's obviously some defined differences but they're very similar in language and style and still the dominant languages long after the first century over the past 50 years more and more evidence has surfaced that the language of the jews in israel during the time was in fact hebrew so there's really no question of that anymore but in fact aramaic really stayed the main language there Throughout the history of the Greeks and the Romans, it only ceded to Arabic, and that was several centuries after the uh, Islamic conquests in Jerusalem and Damascus. So uh, it's worthy of the conversation. I didn't want to just jump into the uh, Gospel of Matthew without even dealing with this. But the uh, earliest copies of the New Testament in the language of Syriac are collectively called the Peshitta, which means the original and pure, so the original and pure New Testament. They date from around 160 to 180 A.D. Syriac is a branch of Aramaic. Both are similar to Hebrew, of course. The Peshitta is the official Bible of the Church in the East. Meanwhile, Western scholars argue it was copied from Greek manuscripts. Of course they do. The Peshitta became the standard text of the Eastern churches by about the 5th century, and the British Library actually has a complete a text of the New Testament, at least 22 of the books of the Syriac New Testament, all on parchment. So one of the great things through these years is uh, so many of these manuscripts became much more available thanks to the Internet. So you may hear the word canon a lot when people discuss the books that came to be called the Holy Bible. They're not like uh, talking about weapons. A biblical canon is a set of texts like books, manuscripts, scrolls, which religious community regard as authoritative scripture. Uh, the can the word canon just means rule or measuring stick, right? So on that topic, I want to give you a quote from a guy by the name of John Han- Hancock. Pettengill said this, There is no question but that scattered manuscripts in the New Testament in Greek were in existence very early, but there is no evidence that any attempt was made to collect them into one canon, uh, a Bible, till after the second or third century. It, but it is certain, on the other hand, that the Syrian churches had their canon, their scripture, their Bible, between the years 55 and 60. Now, Jesus rose in around the 30s. Uh, the temple's destroyed by 70, so 55 to 60s, even before the temple was destroyed. And this was put together by the Apostle Jude. So that's the folks still living there and have continued living there in this time, the Syrian churches. There are many scholarly works arguing the case that the Peshitta is as close as you can get to the original New Testament books. One said, we see proofs the Peshitta is no translation, but an original production. 
even try to go back and get you a few voices just because I know so many of us have been taught one way, and it's really hard to shake a tradition. This is Yale College president, Ezra Stiles, a very long time ago. The Hebrew daughter voice is Syriac, which is the greater part of the New Testament, and I believe was originally written and not merely translated in the apostolic age. So once again, apostles wrote it in Hebrew. In the early 1930s, a guy by the name of George Lamsa released his Bible translation. We call it the Lamsa Bible, go figure. It was taken from the Peshitta tra- text, widely used and endorsed by Oral Roberts, Billy Graham. Uh, back in 1850, a guy by the name of Professor Wickelhaus, uh, commenting on the uh, worth of the Peshitta, said he did not see why, with a few exceptions, it should not be most like the very autographs of the apostles. In other words, the originals. A guy by the name of Eusebius from the 3rd century wrote, Matthew collected the oracles, epistles from the witness of Jesus in Hebrew. Each interpreted them in Judea as best he could. So that's a voice from the 3rd century. Also, he said, uh, Matthew also issued a gospel written among the Jews in their Aramaic language and dialect while Peter and Paul were preaching in Rome. So they were both still alive, laying the foundation of the church. And Origen, way back to the 2nd century, also testified as the holy tradition taught in regard to the four Gospels. First would be written after Jesus was Matthew, once a tax collector, then an apostle of Jesus, who published what is for those who made up Messianic Judaism, what they call the Nazarenes, came to believe and composed as it was in Hebrew. And uh, two last thoughts here. Some ancient scholars claimed the Greek translation of the book of Revelation is the best, best proof that its original language was not Greek. I love some of these scholars. They called the use of Greek in Revelation an open defiance of grammar and atrocious in its quality. I don't know enough about Greek, but it still seems funny. When comparing the Gospel of John and the Greek Revelation, uh, St. Uh, Dionysus of Alexandria said the writer of one could not have been the clum- writer of the other clumsy Greek of the latter, meaning Revelation. So, I know that's a bunch of stuff real fast before we jump into the Gospel of Matthew, but uh, there's some other archaeological thoughts. And and also, when you read a Bible, how would you know which language it comes from? Are there hints and things? Are there scriptures that maybe you've been taught that if you read them in, uh, in, uh, say, Aramaic, would it change anything? Like you've, you've been to the gate in Jerusalem, that's called the uh, Camel Gate. We walked through that a couple of different times. It's a massive gate like they all are, but it's got a little door in it. They call it that because of a scripture that says it's easier for a uh, rich man, uh, a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven, right? Mm. So that's a strange scripture, <laughs> but not in Aramaic. It explains it. And so we're going to go back to the Syriac Gospels and maybe for the first time actually find out what that scripture is actually about. So we have to build up a whole new sermon series about camels.